Well, good morning. I'm going to get us started here. Um, I'm holding a bubble level, and for I know that we have one guest here, and I, I'm going to kind of try to explain this really quickly because if if I don't, you're going to be really confused. But so we've been teaching for the last six weeks on basically basics of righteousness. Our our spirit, soul, and body, if you've ever heard anybody teach on this, this is my version of it. This is the, the revelations that the Lord put in my heart. It was the thing that, that the Lord gave to me years ago that really changed me. It changed how I saw myself. I saw myself from just being a Christian to being a part of the family. That I actually have a bloodline, a connection, if you will, back to the Father. And there may be a lot of people that say, well, I, I always believed that. Well, I believed it, but I never lived it. You know, a lot of times we will say, well, I believe it with my head, but I don't live it in my life. Sort of like what we were talking about during the communion. You'll, you'll get to a point in your, in your walk where you'll sit there and go, do I feel like I could boldly go into the throne room of God? What gives me the right to be able to go and tell God, like I would tell my dad, he's somewhere around here, you know, this week, hey, there he is, he's in the back. You know, I can sit there and go, hey, dad, uh, go, go get the signs and go put them out on the street. Well, dad's a part of the family. He's a part of this church family. He's a part of my family. I don't have to sit there and go, would you please just... Pretty, pretty, please. I know I'm not worth it all, but could you just please help me out? Because I'm not able to do that and play music and, and preach and everything else. And then I'm in the back of my mind going, he's going to say no. See, that's the way most people believe God is. They believe that about who he is in their life. Well, I've never seen God act that way to me where he goes, Yes. Well, sometimes we're just sitting there begging and we're not moving. You know, there's a lot of times, I mean, I go right over to my dad's house and go open his refrigerator and go get me a glass of tea. I don't even ask, hey, can I have a glass of tea? Why? Because I'm a part of the family. He can come over to my house and, and get a glass of tea, if we have some, out of my, out of my refrigerator. I do. I've got a... I've got a problem, people, okay? <laughs> it's a tea problem. But what I want you to understand is that when you finally get the revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus and that when you accepted Christ, there was something different. I just didn't believe and now I'm just a, I'm just a Christian and it's a label, but it, there was actually a transformation that happened. And where we get this from, and there's several places in the Bible where it talks about your spirit, soul, and body. But one of the things I want you to understand here is in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's three avenues of your life. There's spirit, soul, and body. We were made in the image of God, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as I've said this before, God's not someone up there that has a, a nose and a mouth and two arms and two legs and ten fingers and ten toes. God is a three-part being, and we are a three-part being. That's how we were made in the image of God. So, if you're thinking, hey, God looks like me, you know, I've got a birthmark on my knee. Well, that's not, God doesn't have birthmarks. He's a spirit. In fact, in John, it actually says that you don't just worship God, you worship him in spirit and in truth. Because if you don't worship God in spirit, you can't worship him physically. That's called idolatry. If I was to like create, okay, this bottle of water is now God, everyone. Everybody bow down before the bottle of water. Well, this is the way that men love to do things. They love things in the flesh. They love to be able to create 
uh, an ideal uh, image of God that is not who he is. God is not a man walking around somewhere in the middle of the universe. Okay? That is the biggest fallacy that I find even with atheists. Atheists will walk around and say, well, we haven't found some bearded guy walking around the middle of the universe. You're never going to because he's what's holding the universe together. The Spirit of God is in everything. He's everywhere for all people, all the time. You can't get away from him. That's why he's omnipotent is because he is everything. We all got really quiet. I feel like that... <laughs> I feel like there's some people going, whoa, what did I just step into? But this is truth. If you're trying to find some bearded guy in the middle of the universe, you're not going to find him. He's not there. If that's your vision of God, then it's just not going to happen. But God is a spirit. And because he's a spirit, he had to send Jesus in the likeness of man. By the Holy Spirit, he overcame Mary He created Jesus, and Jesus walked around as flesh. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's some mind-blowing things that I'm saying. There's some mind-blowing things about the Holy Spirit that you're just like, I don't get it. Well, you know what? Until you actually step over on the other side, there's going to be certain things you're not going to get. And that's okay. But there are things that I can interface with the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of me. And see, when I have the Spirit of God that's on the inside of me living through me, wow, we get some awesome things that start happening. You actually can touch people's lives in ways that you've never touched them before. So this whole spirit, soul, and body thing, you know, there's been people like Kenneth Hagin who have done in him realities. Um, there's, you know, um, I think Andrew Womack calls it the basics of righteousness. But this is, this is where the Lord took me years ago because I started realizing that my soul is like this bubble in the bubble level. And by the way, we got bubble levels. So if anybody wants one, I'll give them out afterwards. They're really great for hanging pictures too. So, you know, take one. Uh, but you see this little bubble? See how it just kind of, I know that's real small. But I've, I've got a bigger one that's it's on the screen here. But wherever my focus is with my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, that's where I'm going to be. And so on one side of me, I am, I am a body I'm the five senses. I'm carnality in uh, incarnate. God created human beings to walk around on this earth and they hear, smell, taste. They feel things when it's cold. I mean, how many people sitting here going, man, it's a little cold. I mean, Betty is over there. She, I know she's like, we can have it really high up in here. And Betty would still be like, I'm going to put a jacket on. But see, what I want you to understand in me I could probably shed this shirt right now and be okay. Because we feel things differently. We see things differently. We act on things differently because of the way we see the world. And our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, whenever, whenever we get our bubble on that, then everything that we do, everything that we see, everything that we feel, it just becomes carnality. And then when we walk after the flesh, then we're not walking after the spirit. And so I created this little graphic here to be able to show people that out of uh, Galatians chapter 5, you have all these things that either are the spirit or the flesh. And so whenever we sit there and think about whenever God says, you know, in his word, that hey, we're looking at the, when you walk after the, the flesh, you get these certain things. You get adultery, fornication, unclean acts, lasciviousness, idolatry. You know what idolatry is? It's just not thinking God is good. It's not thinking that of who he is and his, his real, 
his real personality, who he really is. You know, there's been people that have been, you can call them atheists, you can call them whatever you want to call them. Some people, I, I kind of think that too often we label people as atheists, but they're really agnostic because something happened to them in their past and they didn't like it. They didn't like what, they didn't like the idea of God. They didn't like the church environment. They didn't like people. Do you know that 90% of the problem that we have in our churches is people? <laughs> There's probably like 10% of the people that are in churches who actually are there because they're like, hey, I want to reach out to people and I want to have a, a, a connection with people. The rest of them are like, this is what my grandmother did and this is what my daddy did and this is what my mama did and this is what I do on Sunday. And then when somebody else comes in that looks like the world because they don't really understand anything, they, it's like, I don't know if I want to be near them. And see, then we end up giving... Jesus a bad name. We end up giving God a bad name because God will God's sitting there going, I'm a good God. I'm a, I'm a God that is that's leaving the 99 to go try to find that one. That's how good he is. But see, what we end up doing is we'll we'll take and we'll separate all that. Oh well, you know, my I just want to make sure everybody is bathed today. Well then I'll sit beside them. Oh, they don't cuss. I'll sit beside them. Oh, they, they look a certain way. Maybe they're not as fat as Pastor Dusty. I'll sit beside them. You know what? There is all kinds of people, and God loves them all. And he wants to reach every single one of those people. But see, we have all these, these ideas about who God is. I got to keep moving because if I, I'll just end up talk, talking about the goodness of God here for the next hour. But you see all this, and I love Joanne. She stopped me in the middle of it. She said, Man, walking in the flesh is complicated. Look at all this. There is so much stuff over here on the fleshly side, but over here on the spiritual side, look at it. It's love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness temperance you know that it boils down to this when we get our soul our mind our will and our emotions when we say i'm going to elevate love joy peace long-suffering then my mind will and emotions they follow those things and so the last few weeks we've been talking about our mind will and emotions and we talked about how the emotions are the catalyst to our to our whole will. See, wherever our emotions go, most of the time our will goes there. I mean, I know that most people in here, you're, you guys are probably the, you pro- probably are the, the best ever. You've never had your emotions go crazy, but I have, okay? I'm the only sinner. I'll tell you, I'll stand up here and I'll go, I was using this example the other day. You know, if my, if my family wanted to go and they wanted to eat tzatziki's, and I was like, I want to eat steak. So let me figure out, because emotionally I just want to eat me some steak. So I'm going to figure out how to manipulate that. And I'm going to try to get my, my mind, will, and emotions. I get so in a tizzy and so upset that I'll actually lash out. No, we're going to go eat steak. Now I know that's a stupid analogy, but... At the end of the day, I've seen people go nuts over the most stupid things because their emotions got so drawn up. Well, that person didn't talk to me today. Well, that person didn't give me a hug, but they, I saw them. They hugged, they hugged Steve. I saw them just go over there and hug Steve, but they didn't come hug me. By golly. You know, our emotions will sometimes create things that are not even there. Man, y'all are quiet today. I'm going to tell you what. This is the most quiet that you guys have been. And you know what? I'm fine because I believe you guys are taking it in, and that's great. Every word. I may need to speak slower. But see, what I want you to understand is that in order for your mind, will, and emotions to prosper, 
you have to have your mind renewed. And that's what, something we're going to talk about today. Because your knowledge of the Word of God, your mind being renewed, is a plumb line. How many people have ever heard of a plumb line? A plumb line is nothing more than gravity is pulling a line down by a weight, and I can hold it up to, to this wall. And I can go, well, that wall is off kilter. Oh, that door, man, from here it kind of looks like it's maybe a little bit off. And see, a plumb line does that. It says, here's gravity. Gravity is gravity. You don't change it. You don't change physics here on earth. And see, I can sit there and go, that door's crooked. Well, you know what? The plumb line of your soul is the knowledge of God. And if the knowledge of God is right in you, then your, your emotions and your will will show whether it's off kilter or not. If my emotions are so far off the handle that I'm willing to go out there and fight somebody over, I didn't get a steak today. Do you know that, that if I don't have my balance of the truth of the word of God, then I can just go on a, on a rampage. And now, now I, my, the catalyst of the emotions ends up moving my wheel. And it doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what I think. I've seen people who were great Christian people. I knew that loved the Lord, but whatever happened to them, their, their emotions got a hold of them one day, and it was like, what is happening with them? They are going flipping ape right now. You know what? Those particular things happen because there's an imbalance in one part of our belief system. You know, you can have, you know, we're not just, okay, I'm saved and so that's my belief system. Well, there's a belief system about your, about your health and about your, your family and about your finances and about, I mean, there are compartments within your heart. Your heart is the word cardia. It means the core innermost part of a thing. When you have a belief, you will die. I mean, you'll put a stake in the ground and say, I'm not moving if I truly, truly believe something. And there are people who believe crazy things. Crazy things. And you'll sit there and go, that's not even worth a discussion about. Do You know, in my own life, I work for the power company. I've met all kinds of people. And one of the things about meeting people is you, in, in, the, in the working world, especially not just the power company, so wanted to rephrase that because um, there are some weird people at the power company. But I will tell you, uh, it happens everywhere. Everybody is going to have a belief. And you know what? I found that the most undescribable, unfathomable type of beliefs will actually cause the biggest arguments. I mean, you're not talking about things like, you know, hey, we're having a discussion. Because even the, the people who are atheists or agnostics, they'll go, I just don't believe in Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you're going to say. I'm just not going to believe in him. And so, but they're not willing to fight you. But I will tell you this. I had a guy that was a Catholic. And he, he asked me, he goes, well, do you believe that the moment you eat the, the bread that it turns into Jesus's flesh? And I, I was sitting there. Because I didn't know that much about it at the time. And I said, no. I said, if I threw up, it would still be bread. I mean, just think about that for a second. They were, he was like, well, then you've never taken communion. And so I got into a tiff. Uh, not, I... I considered it to be a nothing conversation. He considered it to be that I had no salvation. He made it a salvation thing. You know, I've been in, I've been in Baptist churches and Methodist churches and Pentecostal churches and Church of Gods. And I, I mean, I've been in Free Will Baptist. I've been in all these different places. You know, I have been baptized and dunked, sprinkled, hosed down. I've went swimming and gotten baptized. I've been to a river and they have drowned me. 
Do you know that I've been baptized and done all these things? And do you know that my, the, the belief systems about all of that and how that went down? Some people will fight you over, well, you got sprinklers, so you didn't really get baptized. It's like, okay, so I'm not saved. Well, that's what I think. How many, how many dividing lines can I put up between me and you? Oh, well, you, you speak in tongues. Well, I mean, I'm not sitting here speaking to you in tongues, but I do on my own. You know what? Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He'll tell you exactly how to do it. Go do it. Because the thing is, is that it doesn't matter if you do or you don't, or I do or I don't, because where it matters is that are we saved? Have we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Now, there's some benefits to a lot of different things. I may not be doing something that would be a great benefit to me, okay? But that doesn't mean I'm not saved, because Romans 10, 9, 10 tells me that if I, if I confess Jesus... That I believe in my heart. What am I? Saved. I'm saved. Well, guess what? But if I go out and, you know, and I got sprinkled and I didn't get baptized, which, by the way, I've been baptized enough for probably all y'all. Okay? I'm just going to tell you. Because you go to a church and every church kind of goes, you know what? You might not have, it might not have taken hold on you that first time. You know that there's probably some truth to there was a lot of things that I learned that took hold on me and a lot of things that didn't take hold. But I want you to understand that your mind, will, and emotions, it goes in all these weird directions, and I'm gonna my belief system on this one thing makes me more right than you. Well, guess what? The dividing line of the truth of the word of God gives us the ability to be able to have a plumb line to say, where is my emotions at and where is my will at? So whatever, so if your soul is not structurally sound, you'll see it. In fact, everybody else will see it. In fact, most of the time when I go, that person's soul is not structurally sound because they're the ones over there going, I don't understand why I don't understand this and I don't understand that. And why did they treat me this way? And why did they? That's just the way the world is. The world's not fair. If you're looking to come to Jesus and you won't fare, it's not going to happen. The world's going to become more unfair. In fact, he even tells us there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and there's going to be pestilence. We just had a pandemic. That's pestilence. It's, it's disease, famine. All these things are going to happen. Jesus told us about it. But we can't sit there and go, why, why, why? Sounds like you're crying. Why, why, why? <laughs> well, I can tell you why. Because it's going to happen. He said it's going to happen. No matter how hard you pray about it, no matter what you do, it's going to come. But you know what? He gave you authority and power on the inside of you to be able to live a different life than the world. Do you know that that was coming for the world? But most Christians go and hug it. Oh, it's bad. The pandemic, it's bad. I'm going to go hug the pandemic. I'm going to get all up in the pandemic. Oh, you know, the church just about split over the pandemic. Well, do you vax? Do you, do you mask? I've got friends that are like anti-vaxxers. I'm talking about anti-anti-vaxxers. I've been vaccinated, so it, I, don't, I don't care what your belief is on it. But it, <laughs> it comes down to this. I've got some friends that were like, well, you just took the mark of the devil. You just took the mark of the beast, my, my friend. There's no more hope for you. Well, guess what? You know what? My faith in Jesus is above what I just did to my body. I mean, I've got friends of mine that have died from COVID. In fact, I did This Is Who I Am, a song that was here, what, two weeks ago? It came from a songwriter friend of mine that was highly anointed. Highly anointed, came to, to our home church before we, we came here and did praise and worship for us and just 
I mean, I got news for you. I've not seen Amy Cornelius cry like that. I mean, I'm telling you, I cried. Dad's over there crying because, because my friend was awesome. He was anointed of God, but he died of COVID. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're gonna, you're going to get into, well, see, he didn't do this. Well, there was no vaccine before. During that time, there was no vaccine. Well, he went into public. Well, he had to work. He got it from working at Home Depot. Do you know that, that we can sit here and talk about what we did and didn't do? And we can divide each other. Or we can sit here and we can love on each other. And we can say, you know what? I miss my friend Mike. But I'm going to remember who he was. And I'm not going to sit there and try to figure out why he died. Do you know there's people that are doing that? Well, see, if you had only just followed what the CDC said. Well, you know what, if, any, if anybody ever comes in here and they're wearing a mask and they want to go sit off in the back corner, I'll give them a chair. Because I want to give them Jesus. I don't want to give them what the CDC said. I want to give them Jesus. I don't want to give them uh, some you know, anti-vax message. I'm not wanting to give them a political statement because I want them to know who Jesus is because when they know Jesus, then it doesn't matter. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, it doesn't matter. It's not a hot-button topic in Jesus' book. I haven't, found, I haven't found masks at all in the Bible. I haven't found vaccines in the Bible either. So we're in uncharted territory, people. Be led by the Holy Ghost and quit worrying about it. Do you know, I'm going to move on because if not, I mean, it's already 1126. I will just sit here and talk about um, this as the Holy Spirit rambles on in me. But he also tells me, move on. Um, do you know that our mind, will, and emotions, and we've talked about our emotions the last couple weeks, and we talked about how that our emotions are those catalysts, that it pulls our will in different ways. And we'll actually see this as we're walking today, because I'm going to try to get, get through the will and the mind today, because the emotions was like a huge one. I mean, there was so much to it. But this one right here, and by the way, if you haven't heard it, we have a podcast. You can go on our Facebook page. You can go on our uh, website, and you can pull down the podcast and listen to it. Uh, I upload all of our podcasts, so you can go back and listen to all of these messages uh, and even ones in the future as, as they come out. But I'm going to get it here. So the will, every time you see it in the New Testament, it is the word uh, thamia. And thamia basically means a determination, a choice, a desire, pleasure, or will. And what we have to understand is that there are wills that are in our, we, we have a will. I mean, we talked about this. Adam and Eve, they, they decided in their own will to go against God. God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan comes along in the serpent, says, hey... Did God really say, are you really going to die? And you know what? The moment that Eve looked at it and said it's good for food, her will changed. It wasn't the moment that she took a bite of the, of the, the fruit. I don't know if it was an apple. Some people say it was a pomegranate. I don't know. But whatever, whatever fruit it was, she said that is the opposite of what God said. So then she eats it. Then she gives it to Adam, and, and Adam eats it. Knowingly. It wasn't like, hey, I'm slipping this in here, and you're going to eat it too. I mean, he saw the fruit every single day. He probably tended to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because it didn't say you couldn't touch it. You weren't going to die by touching it. You're going to die by eating it. But see, their will said, yeah, I'll eat it. So I want to just kind of break this down into two different things, kind of our will and God's will. And I'm going to start out with God's will because I think that it gives us a, a great indicator of, of what he wants and where he's trying to take us in life. So God's will, when it came to Jesus, and it says in John 6, 38, it says, For I came down from heaven, 
not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Okay, so this is starting to get us into a place, right? So God's will is specific. See, most people think, well, God's will has to do with whatever I, I want. Well, no, God's, God's will is kind of specific, especially for your life, especially for the things that you do. Jesus himself was like, hey, this is the will of the Father. And what was the will of the Father? And it said, this is the will of the Father which has sent me, that all which has, that he has given me, that I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last days. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believe on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. See, God's will was not for Jesus to come and have a great life. See, Jesus' life was supposed to be a life that said, I want people to see my will through my son. Do you know that this is the exact same thing that God wants for your life? He wants your life to be so entrenched in the family that when people see you, they go, there she is, she's a Christian. There's Joanne. Man, every time I see Joanne, she's a Christian. And Joanne, woo, every time Joanne walks into a place, the peace of God just rolls out of her. The, the, the love of God just rolls out of her. Do you know that everybody who saw Jesus saw the Father? Everybody that sees us sees Jesus. See, what we have to understand is, is that our kinetic chain back to the Lord, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. But our kinetic chain back to God has to do and through Jesus. And see, our will, our, our mind, will, and emotions, it has to be focused ever so much on what God is telling us to do. Now, in my own life, and I saw this the other day, I was just walking and all of a sudden somebody talked to me. And I just listened to them, and then I prayed with them. And it was really funny after I prayed with them, they went from being pretty negative about their situation and some other things that was going on to that they were ready to say, hey, I think I'm ready to go preach. You know how, you know how every time Jesus infiltrates into our life and we start thinking about him and start putting our focus on him, we go from, man, it looks bad out here. To wait a minute, I think I can go out and tell somebody about Jesus. I think I can go and do these things because I, I have the love of God on the inside of me. And somebody came along and scratched the hard coating off and now I'm starting to shine. See, people's wills change when they see the true direction that God wants to send them in. And it says here, I, I like to use this verse too, because we just had, um, we just did communion out of Luke verse 20, uh, Luke chapter two, but it says Luke in Luke 22, 42, it says saying the father, if it be thy will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine will be done. Do you know that Jesus himself did not want to go to the cross. I'm going to say it again because Jesus was supposed to be holy and, and he never had a fleshly moment, right? No, no, he had plenty. He had plenty of times where he was like, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure that you want me to do this? Are you sure that you want me to go to the cross? You know, if we're not asking questions of God, then we're not having conversations. You know, it's perfectly fine to go, God, are you sure? When I started this ministry, I asked every day, God, are you sure? When, when we went into our, our home and we came down here, 
Because we moved from Gardendale down here. I asked the Lord, are you sure? I asked Him every day, are you sure? And the peace of God that passeth all understanding was in my heart and my mind about this situation, so I kept going. And then, hey, it was like, are we going to start a church? Yes, the pandemic's going on. People need to go to church, so we did it in our home. Are you sure, Lord? Hey, when the building came available and we could do this and they, we started looking at all the things we were going to have to do and I was going, I got to do a lot of work. Are you sure, Lord, before I get too far into this? Are you, are you positive that you want me to do this? And the Lord said, yeah. He's not, he's not hurt by your, by your questions. In fact, he wants you to ask questions. Do you know that when I was a kid, and I see this all the time with Harper Grace, why? <laughs> why? You know, Matt will go for Harper Grace and say, you can't have, you know, 15 pieces of candy. Why? Well, it's because it'll be bad for you to ruin your dinner. Why? Some of it, we just ask why, and we already know the answer. But you know what? It's good to have your dad go, this is truth. This is what I want you to do. And he doesn't mind telling you again. That's how good God is, is that he wants to have those conversations. He wants you to be fully invested in the things that you have. So what, what I always loved about this was Jesus all in one sentence was like, Lord, are you sure this is your will? Okay, it's your will. Your will be done. Do you know that I think too often, I mean, Jesus knew the answer, but he asked the question anyway. I think that builds our ability to be able to have conversations with our Father is because our Father wants to entrust us to the things that he is calling us to do. But I'm going to give you an example here in Paul because I think this one right here is one of those that it, it gets us really, I don't know, to me, Paul had so many things going on that I think Paul after a while just wanted to die and go on to be with Jesus, okay? And I'll give you some examples of Paul's will here. In Acts 21.10 it says, it says uh, when, we were, when we were staying there, uh, in many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and he said unto us, and took or came unto us, took Paul's belt, tied it on his own uh, feet and hands, and said, "This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles." Verse twelve says, "When we heard this, both we and the local people begged him not to go to Jerusalem." I'm going to tell you, this is where Paul's heart is. You know, when we read scripture, we need to see where people's context and their heart are. Because Paul heard that and it didn't say anything about him dying. But listen to what he says. And Paul replied and says, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit didn't say anything about dying. In Jerusalem, see, Paul's heart was, I want to go back into Jerusalem. I want to preach to them one more time, get some folks saved. I want them to kill me, and I get to go on to be with Jesus. Just go read Philippians chapter, chapter 2. I mean, Paul is constantly throughout the end of his life going, hey, it's better that I'm here with you, but it's better for me that I go on. See, I want you to understand is that sometimes our will... Sometimes our will takes us places that God never wanted us to go and he never wanted us to do because it was not his will, but it was our will. And you know what? God was like, your will still going to have to, my will is still going to be fulfilled because he went into the next town. He took the vow. He went through. They bound him up and they sent him to Caesarea. Paul never got to Jerusalem. He never got to preach. See, his will was, I want to go in there and I want to die because that's where my heart is. And God was like, nope, you're going to go talk to kings. 
In fact, you can actually go back to Acts, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 9 and 10, where Paul goes through the whole Damascus road. He goes back and he's talking to Ananias. Ananias is sitting there going, Are you sure, Lord? This dude's killing folks everywhere, destroying churches. And he says, I'm going to send him to the Gentiles and to kings. Well, you know what? Paul had not been sent to a king yet. But now that he's all bound up and he actually said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. Well, that ended up sending him through the, the, the court system. Be like if, if somebody was to try to sue someone today and the court said no. Because every, everybody said, I've got, I find no fault with you. But you keep just saying, yes, I want to keep going towards Caesar. That's the reason why he went all the way to Caesar. And at the end of his life, Caesar killed him. But see, I want you to understand that, that Jesus himself was calling Paul to go stand before kings. And Paul, I truly believe this. I believe this without a doubt. No one can change my mind, but it doesn't matter. It's not, a, it's not something that matters. But I believe that Paul could have said, I'm not going to Jerusalem. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And he would have went to Caesar anyway. Because the Holy Spirit told him, not only in Acts chapter 20, but he told him in Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 20. He sent an angel to him and said, don't go. Don't go. And Paul was like, I don't care what you say. I'm coming to see you, Jesus. Do you know it's okay? The, the greatest men of God that you could probably ever think about told Jesus, no, <laughs> I'm not going to continue to do what you want me to do. I want to go do something else. I want to die and come on to be with you. Jesus was like, no, you got to tarry a little bit longer. Now, this is, not a, this is not an idealism that I'm trying to put out there that God's going to put you through something and carry you on to, to be tortured throughout your life. That's not the, the point I'm trying to make here. The point I am trying to make and where I'm wanting to take us here is that, is that Paul himself, he wanted to do something. He wanted to, to go somewhere and he wanted to die in a certain way. And when it was all said and done, he didn't, he didn't go and do those things because that wasn't the will of God for his life. In verse 14 it says here, And when we could not persuade him, we stopped talking and simply said, the Lord's will be done. Do you know that the greatest prayer you can sometimes pray for people who are outside of God's will is to go, Lord, help them. Your will be done. And just quit talking to them about it. Because you're just going to keep pushing them away. You're going to keep pushing them away and they'll never come back your way to talk to you ever again. But the best thing that they did and the best thing we can do is just stop talking. Just say, Lord, your will be done. Help them. So I'm going to talk about the, the, the flesh, the Paul's thorn in the flesh. Okay? Now this, this is one of those contentious areas that everybody might get your pitchforks out. Okay? Go ahead. You can come up here and stab me if you want to. But this is what I believe Paul's thorn in the flesh is, okay? Now, I've heard people teach on it that Paul had an eye issue, that he got, you know, that he was stoned and that he was all broken up because of that and he hobbled around for the rest of his life. But I, I tend to go back to what does the Word say, okay? And what does Paul say about his own situation? So the thorn of the flesh is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 9. But you got to back up because the Bible was not written like, you know, in verse and chapter. And so after verse 11, you know, after chapter 11, he started a new thought. Paul was on a continuous thought in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12. He had not stopped. He was continuously talking about the same exact thing. And we'll just kind of see this. But there's reasons... To believe this because it also happens in our own life. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23-28 it says, And are they ministers of Christ? And I spoke as a fool, talking about the people that he went out and labored in more abundantly around. 
and in stripes above measure, and in prisons more frequently, and in death more often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. By the way, that was a Jewish law. Jesus got beat until they got tired. Okay? Because the Romans beat Jesus. Okay? They beat him so unmercifully that you didn't even know who he was. It wasn't a Jewish law. He didn't get beat. 40 times because if he had gotten beat 40 times they'd let him go it wasn't the Jews that beat Jesus it was the Romans but see Paul was beaten 39 times and they would let him go or they would keep him in prison or they would do something so he went through this five times three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned Three times I was shipwrecked in a night and a day I had been in the deep. In journeys often in perils in the water, in perils of robber, in perils of uh, my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, and in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst the false brethren. Verse 27 says, In weariness and toil and sleeplessness, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides these other things, what came upon me daily was my deep concern for all the churches. Do you know that all the things that happened to him, he worried that they were going to happen to the churches. He worried that people's that people would deny Christ just because they didn't want to go through all the things that he went through. Think about how that would weigh on you. I think about that as a father, and Paul was sort of a father to all these churches. As a father, if I was going through stuff and I knew things were going to happen, and then I thought that my children were going to have that happen, that would weigh so heavily upon me. Oh, it would be so hard to be able to continue on. See, Paul was having negative emotions about all these things all the time. He was having things happen to him all the time that he had to build himself up. We talked about this. He had to stir himself back up to what God was trying to do. And so we go a couple of verses down here because that ends chapter 11. And he's still talking Somebody came, you know, um, we, we have to go back and look at church history. You know, St. Jerome is the one and all of them that came back and added, you know, scripture and verse. So in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, it says, And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger. This is someone who has a message. So there was actually someone out there that was telling them, your people are going to have the exact same things. You're going to, they're going to suffer the exact same things that you suffered. And it says here, a messenger of Satan to buffet you, to strike me with like a fist. Well, you see back up here in verse 11, in chapter 11, he was beaten with rods and everything else. Paul's thorn in the flesh was that he had a concern that this was going to be something that was going to continuously happen to his own people. And, and he said, Concerning these things, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's telling the church at Corinth. He's telling them, look, God's brought me through all these other things. He's shown me how to live a life even in the midst of absolute hell that I can still live victorious through Christ. He even tells the people in Philippians talking about how great they are and said he had a peace that passeth all understanding. Do you know that do you know that as as Paul is going through here, he's having to tell people, "Hey, all these things happened to me. Some of these things may happen to you too." Cuz they were in the midst of the greatest 
um, you know, turmoil in the church history. We think bad things are happening today. How many people in here have been shipwrecked? Okay. I don't see any hands. Okay. How many people were, oh, you were shipwrecked. Okay. So Joanne, Joanne was shipwrecked, but I'm sure you weren't beaten with rods. No. A belt a time or two. That, that was spare the rods, pull the child though. But you know, Paul lived this life and God always brought him through it. And I think he was ready to say, Jesus, send me on home. I'm ready to come on. I'm tired of the shipwrecks. I'm tired of being beat with rods. I'm tired of having people always trying to deceive me. I'm tired, Lord. See, this is where it comes into us. Is the Lord is sitting there going, I know you're tired and you're weary. And I'm here to give you rest. I'm here to give you that peace that passeth all understanding. But see, we have to have our will line up with his will. And I think sometimes Paul's will, I think Paul's will took him to places he wasn't supposed to go. And so he actually put himself in further danger. And he put himself in to further places. See, he wouldn't have been shipwrecked as many times. He would have been shipwrecked once. But he wouldn't have been shipwrecked the other times. He wouldn't have had the beatings. He wouldn't have had all these other things if he had just said, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. You know what? In my own life, I've, I have to go, Lord, I'm going to go do this. And he goes, don't go do it. Lord, don't go do it. Lord, I want to do it. Don't go do it. And you know what? I have went and did it. And after I went and did it, the Lord's like, okay, this is how we're going to get you out of it. And see, I think that's where most of us go is that we always say, Lord, I believe this is the best possible plan for my life and he goes don't go do it if you'll just hold on and wait it out if you'll just wait for me to show you what you're supposed to do then you won't go through the shipwrecks and the and the beatings see that's what we have to do is we have to listen to the lord's will on this but we have to change our mind and i'm i'm going to close this out here on the mind of god in our own hearts. Because in Romans 12, 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. That means to test out what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. And in Titus 1, 15, it says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and their conscience are defiled. See, what happens is, is that we purify our mind by the Word of God. We completely, we go and we take all the bad stuff that's in there. Do you know that I'm constantly re- removing old bad stuff? I'm constantly removing things out of my heart, my belief system that was put in there when I was a kid, might have been put in there from other people. And the Word of God comes in and goes, you got to deal with that. Well, I don't want to deal with it. I like, I like my little belief system the way it is. You know, I found people that sit there and go, well, you know, I took a Bible class or I went to Bible school or I did this certain thing. And, you know, I don't have to go and read the word like I used to. No, you got to read it more. You know, the, the Bible school and all the classes and all the things you've been taught, that's just scratching the surface. The rest of your life, you're going to spend time sitting there renewing your mind by the Word of God. And if you don't, then your belief system will be changed by the world. You know, circumstances is the number one thing that changes your mind. You may be sitting there and going, I believe God for a bunch of stuff and it happened. And then all of a sudden some circumstances happen. Well, then I guess God doesn't love me or God doesn't want me to do this or God doesn't want me to be here. Well, did you ever ask God about it? Did you ever talk to the Lord about that and say, Lord, what is it that, you know, why are these circumstances coming? 
But even if you don't even know about the circumstances coming, it shouldn't change what his word says. And I find a lot of people that, that I work with especially, I'll have conversations with them, especially in the past, and they'll say, well, I always wanted to do this, or I always I felt like the Lord wanted me to do this, but I never had the opportunity. Or I never, you know, or my, my child passed away, or, or this certain thing happened, or I got a divorce. And you know what? Those are all circumstances. They should not change what you believe about God. You know, if everybody leaves me, my wife and my kids and everybody else, you know, that's devastating. That's awful. But the thing is, is that his word didn't change. What in the word said, well, if you, if you have something bad happen to you in your life, that the word now doesn't mean as much to you? See, a lot of times we allow our belief system to be changed by the things that happen in our life. We allow our belief system to be changed by people. Well, you're always going to have people. You're always going to have circumstances that are going to come in your life. I mean, we live in Alabama. A tornado comes through. It tears your house up. Everybody's okay. Well, you know, Lord, why did you allow that to happen? You know what? We ask why too many times. Sometimes we just need to go, what does your word say? What do you need me to do next? Because the why will get you to just sit there and cry. Why, 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 why? Your why doesn't matter. The word continuously moves us forward. If we renew our mind, if we take the word and we go, I'm going to believe it over everything that's ever happened to me. The worst thing could have ever that you could ever imagine could happen to me right now. And the word still didn't change. And the word can still work for those that have had those circumstances. But see, we have to be the ones that say, I am going to believe what the word says above my circumstance. You know, our mind accepts and holds on to things. And when it does, it grows in our heart. And sometimes we just become cold and distant because things can happen to us. But see, renewing your mind allows the love of God, that the love of God, by the way, that can cast out all fear. You know, fear comes and, and things happen. But do you know that every single time that me and Heather have went through something in our life, you know, we just go right back to the love of God. Go right back to the love of God. We don't allow the circumstance to change us. We just say, what does the word say? Because the word has stood true for thousands of years. And guess what? My circumstance is but for a moment. And in the grand scheme of my life and all other life on this planet, the word is going to be the only thing that's going to get me out of it. So Ephesians 4, um, 20 through 24, it says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you had heard him and been taught by him as the truth in, is in Jesus. Verse 22, That you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on, this is to clothe. Means that I have the spirit of God. I have the truth of, the, of, of God's word that's on the inside of me. And my will is over here. And my mind is over here. And I can clothe myself with the spirit of God. I can elevate. I can put my mind, will, and emotions on the truth in God's word. The things that I've learned about Jesus. Or I can take those clothes off. And I can elevate the things that are happening to me. I can elevate the things that are going on in the world. We're going to find out that there's going to be wars. There's a good possibility that Russia attacks Ukraine. There's going to be people that's going to talk about world war. There's going to be people that's going to talk about famine. There's going to be people that are going to talk about a lot of things. You know what? We can either lay our, our whole belief system at the feet of those things or we can allow Jesus himself 
to put the Word on the inside of us and the Holy Spirit can continually grow us and teach us those things to where even if we have war here in America, we can still live the life of God. So what we have to understand is that when we put on those, those things, that means that we're changing our mind and renewing our mind by the Spirit, the things that the Spirit of God says over the things the world says. Because those things which are created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And see, what we do is when we put on this mind, what 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 3 through 16 and 17 says, it says that, that we have a earthly house, this tent, the thing that our five senses, our body, and this body right here, it can be destroyed. It can be completely eradicated. And if we have Jesus on the inside of us, then we have a house in heaven. But you know what? We can actually have a habitation of heaven here on earth. And that's what it says here in verse 2. It says, For in this, out of 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 1 through 3, it says, Verse 2, For in this we groan earnestly, desire, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our inhabitation, which is from heaven. We can actually put on heaven here. We can actually live the life of God here. We don't have to just wait for heaven and wait for death. See, I think too often Paul was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired and I want to go on. But you know what? I don't want to go on. I want to do everything that the Lord has for me here. So I'm renewing my mind as much as I possibly can so that I can, so I can live the life of God that is here. And then it says in verse 16, it says, Therefore, for now, we regard, it's Edo, it means to perceive or understand. So we regard that no one according to the flesh. So when we get into the Spirit of God, then it goes beyond our fleshly things. I've, I've said this before. Everybody out here, I've got the red Dodge Durango. If you see the red Dodge Durango out here, where is Dusty if it's out in this parking lot? It's at the church, right? You're going to drive by and you're going to say, hey, there's Dusty's red Dodge Durango. You don't go, hey, there's the red Dodge Durango. You go, Dusty's at the church. See, we don't regard people by their red Dodge Durango. We regard people and say, they're at the church. They're at home. And see, that's what we need to do with each other is that we regard each other by the Spirit of God. You know what? You could have done the worst thing that has ever possibly been done. And you know what? After you get, you put on the Spirit man and you live that life of God that's there, then guess what's going to happen? You are going to be regarded by God by your spirit and not by what you've done in your past. And then guess what? We will actually do that too. You know, Christians in this world, we can renew our mind and we can live our mind. And I, I'm closing right now, Matt, if you want to come on up. But see, our mind, our will, and our emotions, if we allow our emotions to get too far outside over here, then they're going to drag our will and it doesn't matter what we believe. But if we take the word of God and we put it in our heart, we put it in our mind and we renew our mind by the word of God, then guess what? Our emotions can start coming up and the next thing you know is the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you remember that you have that peace of God that passeth all understanding? You go, oh, yeah. Is that really that much is that really that bad for me to get so upset about? You know, the more and more I walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh, the easier it is for me to just simply go, eh, that's just not that much to worry about. It's not an issue. You know, I personally believe that if we're putting our mind, will, and emotions on the things of the Spirit, that we're, we're creating heaven here on earth. 
There are going to be people that you're going to be around that they're having hell in their life and you can actually bring the Spirit of God and the presence of God to them. That's why this is so important for us to know who we are in Christ Jesus because it doesn't just go to our life only. It goes beyond our life out into other people. We're supposed to be Jesus here on this earth. And if we're not being Jesus on this earth, if it's everything I pray is, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, then I never get to the Lord, help them. Lord, show me how to help them. Give me the ability to be able to be the presence of God, to be able to come in and provide peace in this situation. Because if we can't put our mind, will, and emotions on the things of the Spirit, then we're always going to be led by the flesh. And if we're led by the flesh, we're just going to be catalyzed into, oh, the world's bad, my life's bad, everything's bad. And then we need another Christian, more than likely, to come along and start scraping the hard dead stuff off our heart. You know, the love of God, it compels us. It brings us to a place where we say, you know, I can actually touch other people's lives. I can pray for other people. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to dismiss us out. And if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for, you know, a situation or healing or whatever it is, and I'll be here after the service. But I feel led to just pray for us right now that this becomes a revelation in our heart. And that our minds are renewed, and that you're, and that the Holy Spirit is bringing people across our path. That we just don't just preach Jesus, but that we're actually living the life of God out in front of them. That we put on the Spirit Man, and that we create in our own bubble, our own world, our own society, the ability for us to be able to touch people's lives. And that we're not in constant need, but that we're in constant contact with those people that we need to touch. So right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over each and every one of us. I pray, Father, that you give us an understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus. Continue to grow us as sons and daughters of God. Help us to be able to boldly come before you in the throne room of God as Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, giving us the ability to get past ourselves. Father, I I pray that we get over ourselves. Just get over yourself is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying. Get over yourself. You're a son. You're a daughter. And you are there. You are righteous. You are redeemed. And right now, I just pray in Jesus' name that you are leading people across their path that they can be peace and love to. And I pray in Jesus' name that there's awesome opportunities in their life to where no matter what the circumstances are, if there's wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and and there's disease and all of these things, that they stand up in the midst of it and that they are able to be the rock. That they're able to, to point people back to Jesus. But that they're living Jesus through their lives. And I just pray for each and every one of them to go forth and have a great week. That this is going to be the best week they've ever had. And I thank you, dear Lord, that you're creating opportunities for them to be able to mend fences. Mend family members. Mend co-workers. I just pray it all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.